This is the Tao of Christ, and I am Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. Others call it non-dual awareness, liberation, enlightenment, or spiritual awakening. It is the heart of all spiritual traditions. This is the Tao of Christ. Good morning, this is Marshall Davis. I'm continuing my talks on the book of Genesis, interpreting it from the perspective of non-duality. And today I'm going to look at the famous story of the flood. The story about Noah and the ark fills four chapters of the book of Genesis. It has captured the imagination of people like nothing else besides the creation story. And actually, the flood story is connected to the creation story. The flood story is, in a sense, a recreation story. It has much of the same symbolism. It contains the same themes of non-duality that we saw in the first two chapters of Genesis. The flood story is present in many different cultures. In fact, the Hindu version of the story has a main character named Manu instead of Noah. And Manu was the first man, equivalent to Adam in that tradition. And he is saved in the story by a fish who instructs him to build a boat. So there are overtones here of Jonah saved by the big fish as well. I'm kind of partial to these stories since I have a grandson named Noah and another grandson named Jonah. Now Manu is also a lawgiver and that account so he's kind of like a Moses figure as well. Unfortunately in Christianity the biblical story of Noah and the flood has been hijacked by fundamentalists who insist that it has to be taken literally. I have evangelical family members who have taken the pilgrimage to the creationist theme park called Ark Encounter in Kentucky that has a full-size replica of Noah's Ark. It's right near the Creation Museum, which also promotes creationism. Now, it's hard to believe that people actually would take these stories literally. But people do that because they have been taught that. They've been taught that this is the only way to take the Bible seriously. But actually, literalism is a clever way that the ego has to avoid taking the Bible seriously to avoid taking the flood story seriously. It pushes it into the past and makes it an article of faith instead of reading it as talking about us now. Now I'm not going to spend a lot of time today refuting the literalist approach to scripture. I'll simply say that there is no scientific evidence for a worldwide flood that happened a few thousand years ago that wiped out all life on earth. It didn't happen. There's no geological evidence for it any more than there, than there is any biological evidence for creationism. There is no archaeological evidence for re remains of Noah's Ark on Mount Ararat in Turkey. All such claims 
uh, what is called pseudo-archaeology, also known as alternative archaeology or fringe archaeology. You know, it makes an interesting pseudo-documentary on television, but no credible scholars paid any attention. Like all stories in Genesis, the flood story is a myth. It was probably based on human memory of local floods in the Middle East. One theory is that it's based on the collective memory of when the Aegean Sea spilled over into the basin that is now the Black Sea around 6,000 years ago. So Noah's flood may actually have been based on an actual local flood. But it wasn't a worldwide flood. There was no Noah, no 40 days of rain, no ark containing every animal on earth, no animals parading into the ark two by two, or seven by seven, depending on the account. There are actually two flood accounts intertwined in these chapters in Genesis, just like there are two creation accounts. And actually, the two flood accounts are by the same hands as the two creation accounts. The flood story is a myth. As I've said before, myth is not a derogatory term. It means it is a fictional story that communicates spiritual truth. To understand the flood narrative, we have to interpret it as symbolic. And when we do, we see that it is communicating truth. One thing it is trying to address, if you read the story, is that it's trying to address the issue of violence on earth, which is the subject that I recently talked about when I was telling the story of Cain and Abel. Genesis says that God brought about the flood because of violence on the earth. It says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will, will destroy them with the earth. The ironic thing is that God decides to solve the problem of human violence with an act of divine violence by killing all humans and animals on earth, except for what could fit in Noah's Ark. That is morally problematic, to say the least. I have never understood why this tale is so popular in churches as a children's story. It does not really put the Creator in a very good light. God solves a problem by exterminating the population of the earth through mass murder, including every child on earth. Not a good divine example these days when we're constantly hearing about and reading about mass shootings, mass murders of school children. But church people will go out of the way to justify God's behavior in the story. I think the origin of the story has a lot to do historically with the story of the conquest of Canaan by the Hebrews. God tells Joshua to exterminate all the people in the land because it says that they were bad, just like it says that the pre-flood people were labeled bad, 
So God commanded Joshua to kill all the bad people. All the people and all the animals in the land, just like in the flood story. So I think that's part of the historical background and context of the flood story. You can also look at this flood story as having something to say about the extinctions that actually have happened on Earth historically during the Earth's four and a half billion year history. Scientists know from the fossil record that there have been five massive extinctions of life on this planet. A book came out a few years ago called The Sixth Extinction, saying that we are in the midst of another one, this one caused by humans. The flood story then can be interpreted not just as about some event that happened in the ancient past, but about the extinction that's going on now and why it's happening. And it's happening because we are a violent species, committing violence not only against each other, but against all the other species on earth and causing extinction just like in the biblical flood story. But what I really want to do is talk about the non-dual themes in the flood story. As I said, the flood story is a retelling of the creation stories of the Bible, where it says that there was a watery abyss over all the face of the earth. Those primordial waters in Genesis chapter 1 represent non-duality as I explained in that episode. And the Creator God brought forth the present universe from that non-duality through a series of dualistic proclamations. Creating things, naming things, separating things. Light from darkness, heaven from earth, dry land from the sea, male from, from female. The flood story is a reversal of this process. It is a reversal of the creation story. It symbolically restores the original non-duality. God restores non-duality because duality has brought violence and suffering. So the meaning of the story is clear. The only way to solve the problem of duality and all the consequences of, of violence and suffering is by restoring the awareness of the reality of non-duality. The New Testament picks up the theme. Jesus says that the coming of the kingdom of God is like the days of Noah. The letter of 1 Peter compares the flood to Christian baptism. Christian baptism symbolizes the return to awareness of non-dual reality through water, through the flood. This is exactly what happened in Jesus' baptism, which was his non-dual awakening experience, and is symbolized in our baptism. Baptism is rebirth by the waters of non-duality. Unfortunately, 
the symbolism of baptism has been co-opted by a very dualistic thinking church these days. The flood is also a very revealing story because this restoration of non-duality is not complete. In the story, God does not start from scratch. God saves a small group of creatures and humans in the ark to start, off, start over. The theme of animals coming in two by two is an obvious reference to duality. The ark is a remnant of duality in a sea of non-duality. It's kind of like those little small dots of white and black in the yin-yang symbol. I love the image of Noah and his family in the ark bouncing around in the on the surface of the flood. As humans, that's what we are. We are these little pockets of duality bomb, bobbling, bobbing on the surface of non-duality. At least that's how I, ex I experience human existence. This human psyche is a little creature which, as I often say, is just along for the ride, like a cork on the surface of, of water. Non-dual awareness is knowing that our true eternal nature is not the cork on the surface of the ocean, but it is the ocean depths of non-duality. Humans feel different from and apart from reality, and that's the problem, that perception. The solution is realizing that we are not different or apart. We are not these temporary human forms. This human form is a momentary expression of the larger non-dual reality. Some people use the metaphor that we as individuals are like a wave in the ocean or maybe in a, in a river or a stream. That's a great metaphor to use when talking about the flood story. We are like a wave, a ripple in the river of life. A wave appears to be a separate thing, you know, an individual manifestation on the surface of the water, but it really is simply water. It doesn't exist apart from water. So are we. We are waves of the non-dual ocean. And when these waves crash and die on the shore, that reality becomes obvious. But while it's still traveling, toward shore, it doesn't feel so obvious. Non-dual awareness is waking up to what we really are, and what we will be, and what we have always been, which is this one reality. That is the non-dual truth that the flood story points to, and that's what baptism points to. Of course, as the biblical story continues, after the flood, we see that God's plan of the restoration of this awareness of non-duality doesn't work out as God hoped. The problems start up again as soon as the occupants of the ark set foot on dry land. 
And that's the rest of the story, which leads to the Tower of Babel, which we'll look at next time. But that's it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is a Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ. Thank you.